I want us to read that passage again. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Amen. The Word of God says here that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Hey, turn it down a little bit more. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, so the Word of God says here, the Spirit Himself testifies, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, the Word of God says that before we confess Jesus as Lord, when we were living in the lusts of the flesh, the Word of God says in Ephesians 2.3 that we were by nature children of wrath. We were children of wrath. We were the objects of God's anger. But because of God's rich mercy and His great love, God has sent His Son to suffer and die on the cross. God raised Him from the dead. And then God sent His Spirit into our bodies so that our nature was transformed from children of wrath to children of God. This is good news. We are children of God. Our very nature has been changed. So that we can come to a place where our hearts can please God. Not just by exterior actions, but by motives and heart that please the Lord. Hallelujah. It's great to be called a child of God. Amen? Amen. Let me break off the... Uh, let me break off whatever this is off this piece right here. Alright. There'll be freedom right here. Spirit of the Lord is there's freedom. Okay. Um, it's great to be a child of God because as children, we don't ever have to worry about being abandoned. You know, God promises in Matthew 28 verse 20, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, the word of God says in Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Because you are a child of God, God will never abandon you. And the way that Satan attacks our identity as a child of God is whenever something bad happens, he whispers into our ears, you see, God doesn't love you. He has forsaken you. He's forgotten about you. You got to go provide for yourself. You got to do what you got to do. You got to go make your own decisions. And Satan starts to whisper these lies in our ears. And it's when we come in agreement with these lies that we open a door for the spirit of fear to come in. And once fear is allowed in, the spirit of fear tries to have dominion and control over every aspect of your life. So that there is no room in your heart for faith. This is how... 
demonic spirits operate. And you might know your identity as a child of God up in your head, but you are not experiencing it in your life. Brothers and sisters, when bad or unexpected things happen to you, we must reject the whispers of the enemy and come in greater agreement with what we know in the Word of God. And the Word of God says, Hebrews 13, 5, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So if you lose your job, you might be like, Lord, I feel like you've left me. I feel like you've forgotten and forsaken me. But God, I refuse to believe that. Even though I feel that way, Lord, I come in agreement with your word. And I know this is true. I am your child and you will never leave me. You will never forsake me. This is just temporary on my way to my next breakthrough. Hallelujah. It's great to be a child of God. Because as children, we can be confident that all of our needs will get provided for. Psalm 37, 25 is an awesome memory verse for those. A lot, a lot of Koreans need to memorize this verse. Let me tell you that right now. Okay, Psalm 37, 25. It says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Yo, turn down the mic again. Turn down a little more. Let me repeat that. I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Have you ever observed... A three-year-old child in the presence of good parents. You turn it up a little more, man. Come on, dude, get the right, get it right. You know that child. If you watch that child, has no worry in the world. That child can't go and get a job. That child can't go to the supermarket and buy something to eat. That child can't even change his own diapers. But that child has got nothing, no worry in the world. And that child is confident that when he's hungry, he's going to get something to eat. When he needs a change of clothes, he's going to get something to wear. That child knows that you will never see a child in the presence of good parents ever sitting down and worrying about his next meal. You never see it. And what we see and observe among men, it's also true in our relationship with God. As you consider how good parents on earth treat their children, imagine how a perfect father in heaven will take care of his children. And the word of God says the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So if we are children... Word of God is saying, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. I don't care how bad the economy gets. I don't care how many jobs you have, you can't hold and you keep losing. I don't care how bad of a financial debt your family is in. You don't ever have to worry that you're going to be homeless and begging for bread. Because that image, it causes people to make decisions of fear. 
they overcompensate because they're so afraid that they're going to be, if they don't do what they need to do about it, they're going to be begging for bread. And the, and the word of God says, your perfect father in heaven will never allow that. If you are a child of God, he will never allow that. Yet Jesus commanded us. He said, do not worry. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body, what you will wear. Matthew 6.25. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. God takes care of them. How much more will God take care of you? And Jesus said something interesting. He said, for the godless, the Gentiles, the pagans, they seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. In other words, God is aware of all of your needs. You know, you don't have to ever worry about begging for bread on the streets. But guess what? You don't ever have to worry about begging for bread before God either. God doesn't ever want you to beg before Him. When you're begging, it's a sign of a religious spirit. It's a sign of an orphan spirit. It's a sign of a person that has fear that God is not going to provide for them. And so they say, please, and they beg God for certain things. But sisters... We are, we are children of God. God's going to take care of us. You know, this is the reason why I don't like babies. <laughs> you know, I'm a cleric, and I like people who make contributions to society. And let me tell you, babies make absolutely no contribution to society. All they do is goo and ga and poo. I'm telling the truth. I don't like babies. I'm sure I ain't glad the babies don't stay babies. All babies do is be a baby. And they get their needs met. How amazing is that? But there's a lot we can learn from a baby. You know, when the economy goes bad, or you lose your job, or you face a difficulty, we got to stop getting so stressed out. We have to look at the baby and learn to trust God as our father, like a child trusts his parents. You know, all you got to do is just be a child of God and you'll get all your needs met. A lot of you are thinking, no, 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 you, you got to go do your work. You got to go get your grades. You got to go get your college degree. No, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. I know some Christian brothers and sisters. They don't do nothing and they get their needs met still. All you got to do is be a child of God. You don't have to do anything else. You get your needs met. So when you're going through that difficulty, you don't have to worry that you're going to be out on the streets or that you're never going to get married or that, you know, just don't, don't get so stressed out. When you get stressed, you open up doors for all kinds of spirits to get in and influence you. 
You're going to make poor decisions. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So, whenever you are in a time of need, the Bible tells us two things. I want you to tell your neighbor this. Okay. Number one. Bible tells you are a child of God, so do not worry. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. You are a child of God, so do not worry. <laughs> okay, and then number two, tell, tell your neighbor this. Approach the Lord for help. So, so let's say you, you did a business venture. You invested a lot of money and it, it just went broke. You're in a time of need. You're worried about how you're going to pay for your internet bill. You're worried about how you're going to pay your gas bill. Okay? You're in a time of need. And the word of God says, number one, you're a child of God. So do not worry. Stop thinking through all of these crazy uh, scenarios of what's going to happen to you. Stop wasting all your energy that way. You're a child of God. Do not worry. And number two. Approach the Lord for help. Approach the Lord for help. Ephesians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, present your request to God. Worrying is not going to get those needs met. Presenting and approaching God for help will get those needs met. In Hebrews 4 to 16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Are you in a time of need? The word of God says, Approach the throne of grace with confidence. Hallelujah. It's great to be a child of God. Amen? Because our loving Father makes sure that all our needs get met. Tell you, some of you in here, you're trying to meet your own needs. You need to quit doing that. Or you're waiting for a man to come meet all your needs. And let me tell you right now, he ain't going to do it. There is no such man. And all the men of God, there are no such women that are going to try to meet all your needs. They're going to cut all your apples, fold all your clothes, do all your laundry. Women like that, they don't exist no more. Uh, I'm playing. playing. Quit doing that. The Father, He will meet all your needs in accordance to His glorious riches. Now, I want to go back to our original passage and I want to get into the main point of my message today. I want you to look at Romans 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And verse 17. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Let's stop there. In the NIV, it says, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. King James Version says, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. For the sake of unity, I'm going to go with co-heirs with Christ. Okay, The Bible says that you are co-heirs with Christ. 
co-heirs with Christ. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are a co-heir, co-heir with Christ. <laughs> we just did a short discussion about our identity as children of God. But this passage is going further and telling us that because we are children, we are also heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now today I want to focus on what it means to be a co-heir with Christ. What does this mean? To be a co-heir with Christ. You know, some people think that being a co-heir with Christ simply means receiving a future inheritance of salvation. A future inheritance of a glorified body like Jesus got. A future inheritance of everlasting life. And they think that this is an identity that speaks about our future, which gives us hope and perseverance for today. That's what it means to be a co-heir with Christ. But I believe that being a co-heir with Christ involves more than just that. Way more. I believe that being a co-heir with Christ means that whatever Christ had on earth, you can also have. Let me say that again. Being a co-heir with Christ means that whatever Christ had on earth, you can also have. And what did Christ have on earth? A beard? You can also have a beard. What does it mean? What did Christ have on earth? What? <coughs> exactly, miracles. Christ had access to the anointing power of the Holy Spirit for healings and miracles. Christ had access to prophetic words of knowledge and revelation. Christ had access to the unlimited resources of heaven. And what I'm trying to tell you today is, and what I believe the Bible is telling us, by declaring us as co-heirs with Christ, is that we have access to the same inheritance that Christ carried while He was on this earth. Whatever Christ had, you also can have. Jesus promised us in John 14, 12. He says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me, will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Well, if we're able to do the same things Jesus did, if we are supposed to do the same things Jesus did, we're going to need the same inheritance that Jesus had access to. And this is where our identity as a co-heir comes in. See, if we are to do the same things Jesus did, and we are to do greater things than these. Then we need to access what Christ was accessing. We need to take hold of the inheritance that he had access to. You know, Ephesians uh, 4 verse 1 says, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. All right, everyone tell your neighbor that. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And stop living that lazy life. Come on, get up. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received.
Let me tell you right now. The calling of God is never ordinary. He may have you in ordinary settings, but what he does through you will never be ordinary. What he's called you to do is never ordinary. The call of God is not natural. Exactly, it's supernatural. And Ephesians chapter 4 says that in order to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, we must access the grace that has been apportioned to us. Verse 7. Ephesians 4, 7 says that to each of us, Christ has given us grace. He has given us gifts. He's apportioned it to us. And this grace, this gifts, I believe this is talking about our inheritance. Let me tell you something right now. You cannot live a life worthy of the calling you received without accessing your inheritance as a co-heir. You cannot live a life worthy of the calling you have received without accessing your inheritance as a co-heir. You cannot live a supernatural life, the life that Christ demonstrated, without experiencing your identity as a co-heir. But so many Christians, instead of tapping into the supernatural gifts and grace available in our inheritance... They only tap into their need. You know, we have a lot of need-based Christianity going on in the church today. Let me just spit the truth. We got a lot of needy Christians. Lord, I need a breakthrough. Lord, I need this. I need a blessing. You just listen over here to prayers of the saints. A lot of the saints, they're praying out of their need. And in our identity as children of God, it's not a bad thing. You know, we got to pray. You know, when we are in our time of need, like I said earlier, we got to approach the throne of grace. We got to approach God for help. But you cannot experience your full potential and the full expressions of God's purpose for you if all you do is live a life driven by need. Let me try to. Shed some light on what I'm trying to say. Let's say, for example, God wants you to open up. He calls you to open up a business. You get it confirmed and you know you're for sure that this is from the Lord. And, and so you start taking steps to opening up the business. And then you come before the Lord in prayer and you petition the Lord about the needs that you have in opening up this new business. So you might say something like, Lord, I believe you're calling me to open up this new business. But in order to open up this business, I need a loan. I need good people. I need wisdom. Lord, I pray that you will meet all my needs. Amen. And this is how many of us pray. With a childlike heart, we, we receive what we ask for. And there's nothing wrong with this. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with this. The problem is, if this is the only way you pray, you will fail to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. If this is the only way you pray, you will live a flat life. 
Your life will be natural. It will be mathematical. One plus one equals two. Three plus three equals six. But how many of you know that Jesus said, I came that they may have life and life abundant. Somebody say abundant life. God doesn't want you to live a flat life. He wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to live from a place of abundance. And when you learn to access your inheritance as a co-heir, that's when the abundant life truly begins. So if God calls you to open up a business, instead of praying just as a child, asking God to meet your needs, I'm exhorting you today. Pray as a co-heir, accessing your inheritance, accessing that which already has been stored up for you. And when you pray to God from your identity as a co-heir, you access a form of God's grace called your inheritance. And let me tell you right now, inheritance cannot be accessed via your needs. If all you have is need-driven faith, need-driven spirituality, if your walk with the Lord is centered and based and driven by need, you will, not, you will fail to access your inheritance. Because inheritance cannot be accessed via your needs. In, uh, inheritance can only be accessed via your identity. Your identity as a co-heir. As one who has legal right to access everything that Christ carried when he was on the earth. I'm getting blank stares. It's okay. Just let your spirit jump up and do a little dance. Let me say that again. Inheritance cannot be received via your needs. Inheritance can only be accessed through your identity. Your identity as a co-heir. And when you access this inheritance, you got to go up there as one who knows you have legal right to access it. You know, when you pray for healing, there are those who pray for healing based on need. And then there are those who pray for healing via their inheritance. Let me explain. When you overhear somebody praying for healing, physical healing, you might hear them saying something like, Lord, this person, <coughs> this person has a pain in their stomach. Lord, this is a very important need that they have is to be healed from this so that they can go on with their life, so that they can go on with work. Lord God, will you meet their needs and heal their stomach, God? In Jesus' name I pray. Or we, we look at somebody who doesn't have eyesight and God, God, this person needs eyesight. So God, meet this need, Lord. Lord, give them eyesight. This is what they need, Lord. Amen. We check and nothing happens. Instead of praying from the place of need, we've got to learn how to pray accessing our inheritance. See, when you, when you see a person praying with their identity as a co-heir, it offends religious people. It offends religious people because religious people do not believe 
that you can have that level of authority. You can have that level of access. They believe that healings are sovereign moves of God. And that God chooses to heal here and not there and here. And in his wisdom, he chooses to keep that person humble by giving them leukemia. And then he heals another person because of whatever other reasons God has. That's what religious people think. But when you pray as a co-heir, you often will offend a lot of religious people. Because you will pray things like this. You will pray, God, this person doesn't have eyesight. God, I know there's a new pair of eyes right now in heaven that's got this person's name on it. Lord, give them my sight in Jesus' name. It's not like, hallelujah, bless you. It's not like, God, I pray you will give them new eyeballs. It's like, God, I command new eyeballs to be made new in his eye sockets right now in Jesus' name. And, and, and people see that and they go, whoa. Someone's spiritually prideful. And then, and then when the person doesn't get healed, they go, you see that? It's not, it's not the way you're supposed to pray. Well, when you pray, nobody got healed either. Well, when I prayed, I prayed from humility. <laughs> At least I'm humble and got no, 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 no healing. You're prideful and you got no healing. Brothers and sisters, when you pray from the place of your identity as a co-heir, you don't pray like a person trying to get their needs met. You pray like a person who's accessing their inheritance. Something that already belongs to them. A person who prays with authority. That's a good word right there. A person who accesses their identity as a co-heir is a person that will exercise spiritual authority. They will move out and they will pray with authority. You see, within your inheritance... There is gloriously huge potential to influence the earth with the resources of heaven. Within your inheritance, there is enormous potential for you to influence the earth with the resources and standards of heaven. And this is when life no longer is mathematical. Life becomes more like quantum physics. When you access your inheritance, that's when you experience exponential growth. Accelerated breakthrough. Grand provisions, miraculous power. That's when you start offending your sunbeds because the amount of time it took for your sunbeds to mature to the place where they are at, you do it in half the time. And your sunbeds are trying to oppress you because they're like, man, you know, punk, you're just my hubet. Boy, you got three more years before you can be where I'm at. But not if your hubet is accessing his inheritance. Quantum physics, brothers and sisters. Quantum physics in the natural reflects something that goes on in the spirit realm. And everyone in here will experience maturity and growth this year. But not everybody will experience accelerated growth. Exponential growth. Some people are in the church three, four years. Same environment. One person grows exponentially. The other person grows a couple inches. And it's not the environment that's determining that person's growth. It's how that person processes their environment through their identity. It's how that person identifies himself. It's how that person chooses to see himself. 
when the people of God learn to walk as co-heirs with Christ, that's when the kingdom of God will invade our cities and nations. That's when we will regularly stomp on the enemy and possess his gates. It's when we learn to be co-heirs with Christ. Let me tell you about how heaven sees you. When heaven sees you, they don't just see a little cute child of God. When heaven sees you, they see you as a warrior son with an inheritance that's got your name on it. You know, there's a lot of people in here. Your inheritance is collecting dust. Because you're not touching it. You're not accessing it. You're, you're simply content from the place where your needs are getting met. Where you are a child of God getting their needs met. And I, to, I told you there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with that's the only place you stay. If you have plenty of time to grow and that's where you choose to stay, there's a problem. Because heaven sees you as a warrior's son. A child has to realize he has to eventually grow up and take on the responsibilities of his father's household. A child truly goes from a child to a son when that child comes to maturity. Heaven sees you as a son with an inheritance. Heaven sees you as a co-heir. And heaven waits for you to access that inheritance. But many people fail to access this inheritance because instead of seeing ourselves as heaven sees us, we only see ourselves from the standpoint of earth. We only choose to see ourselves the way our parents see us. We only see ourselves the way our friends see us. Well, my friends think I'm just a comedian and that's all I am. So I'll just be a, a comedian all the time. And my friends just see me as this person that is too sensitive and is constantly like bickering and, 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 and biting back at everyone. So that's who I'll be. Brothers and sisters, identify yourself with how heaven sees you. You know, some people, they'll say things like, I can't ask God for anything beyond my needs. I ought to be content with just getting my needs met. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I have received this awesome gift of everlasting life. I can't ask for anything beyond that. That just doesn't sound right. I should be content and happy and thankful that I have everlasting life. And if I ask for anything else, and if God gives it to me, then I'm just really, really lucky, really, really blessed. But I can't. I, mean, I should just be content with just getting my needs met. And this sounds very noble and very humble and very religious, but it is not the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something right now. Let me spit the truth. Let me give you some revelation to rock your world. Need-based faith is self-centered. Need-based faith is self-centered. Inheritance accessing faith is God-honoring. 
need driven spirituality only prays when there is a selfish need. When their resources run out. For example, the prodigal son. The word of God says in Luke 15, 14, that he went back to his father when, quote, he began to be in need. But isn't this what a lot of us do? We go to God only when we're in times of need. We access grace when we're in a deficit. When we're in trouble. When we're in a crisis, we access grace. And it becomes this very need-driven spirituality. And I'm telling you today, that's self-centered. That's self-centered. A co-heir knows that he has access to everything the father has. So he does not go to the father when his resources have run out. In fact, his main dependence are not upon his own resources, but they're always upon the father's resources. Because the resources of heaven, they are limitless. Let me give you some examples. David, when he was fighting up against Goliath, when David approached Goliath, David did not say, Lord, I need your help to beat this giant. He has been defiling the armies of the Lord. He's been ridiculing us. God, I need your power, your skill, your warfare skill to strike down this giant. Lord, I need your help. Okay, is that how David talked when he, when he approached Goliath? Turn there with me if you want to turn there. First Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. Goliath says, Come to me, I will give you, I'll give your flesh the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the... Of you, I will give what? I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. In other words, you don't have David here accessing this anointing power of God to defeat this giant. You don't have David accessing that grace through need. You have David accessing that grace through identity. Okay, Observe just the way David is talking. He says, you come to me with these swords, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts. I, am an, I, I have an identity. I am a king. You don't even know it. Check this out. I have prophecies of my life that I am the king, the next king of Israel. And today we are fighting to the death. I have a prophecy on my life that I'm supposed to be the king. One of us is going to die today. And I'll tell you, it ain't going to be me. Okay? He knew his identity. And he spoke this out as he's approaching Goliath. He's speaking out and he's accessing his inheritance through his identity. 
And the amazing thing is, at the end of the story, it says that there were 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered why God in his sovereign knowledge, knowing exactly how much food that there would be needed in order to feed everybody, why, why he would overestimate and allow there to be 12 baskets of leftovers? Have you ever wondered that? If God was moving based on need, I'll tell you right now, there would have been no leftover. Because God would have just met the need. But there were 12 baskets of leftovers. You know why? It was to symbolize that Jesus had accessed heaven's resources. And in heaven, there is always abundant supply. More than enough. Overflowing your cup. You know, a lot of us, you know, you ever go to a restaurant? I'm close with this. You ever go to a restaurant and you get free bread? (coughs) And when you don't have much money, you start eating that bread. And then you go, oh, 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 you know, you ask for more bread. And you start eating that bread, eating the butter, eating the balsamic vinegar, whatever you like. And sometimes some of you actually like the bread. And we all like the bread, like, you know. But some people are trying to fill themselves with the bread because they have a need, they have a hunger, and they don't have much money. So they're trying to get full on the water and the bread. That's a good picture of a lot of people's Christianity. They think they're broke because they don't know their identity as sons, they don't know their identity as a co heir. They think they're broke. They don't think they have any money. So when they get freebies, when water comes out, when the bread comes out, they just try to fill their need on bread and water. But let me tell you what a co-heir does. A co-heir will sit in the restaurant, will nibble a little bit on the bread, drink a little bit of water, and says, it's time to hit the buffet. Or says, it's time to bring on the six-course meal. I can't eat too much of this. I can't, I, can't, I can't be filling my stomach. There's no space for all this. There's no space. I need, I need to get my steak. I need to get my creme brulee. I need to get my tiramisu. <laughs> you don't know about this. I'm not here just to fill my hunger need. I'm here to feast. I am here to enjoy it. I am here, hallelujah, to, to get the nutrition from all this beautiful junk food. <laughs> Hopefully it's healthy food. All the nutrition out of all this different variety of foods. Or you hit the buffet. Brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to tell you today is stop living your Christian life from the place of just need. Stop nibbling on the bread and water and trying to get full on that. There's so much more. There's a buffet table that you have access to. There's a six-course meal with tiramisu and creme brulee that's on its way. But you got to look at the menu and you got to be like, I want that. Serve me this. This is mine. 
And when you leave, you say, my daddy's going to pay for that. And the great thing is, this inheritance has been completely paid in full. You see, Jesus, you know, in the natural, in order for somebody to get an inheritance, somebody has to die. You usually can't get an inheritance. Uh, you can't go up to your daddy. I mean, it's really wicked if you went up to your daddy and said, give me your inheritance. Give me my inheritance that's coming to me. It's pretty wicked. Some people will kill their parents to get their inheritance. Like the, uh, those twins back... The, what, Menendez brothers. The wicked boys. Were they L.A.? They were L.A. boys, right? The wicked L.A. boys. <laughs> kill their parents to get their inheritance. In the natural, what's true in the natural is true in the spirit. In order for you to access your inheritance, somebody's got to die. So the word of God says that Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus. And when he was on this earth, he carried this inheritance. He carried this amazing authority, this power, this anointing power, gifts. Jesus carried it. And then he went to the cross and he died. Rose again from the dead. And the Bible says he ascended on high and gave gifts to men. So Jesus took the inheritance that he was carrying. And through his death, he made it accessible to all who will trust in his name. And he distributes this amazing inheritance to the people of God that will represent him here on this earth. Brothers and sisters, the grace of God. And I'm not just talking about grace to get saved. I'm talking about grace, mega grace. Just as it says in the Word of God in the book of Acts, that mega grace was upon them all as they did signs and wonders and miracles and healings. I'm talking about that kind of grace. Grace, the gifts, whether it's natural gifts or spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, gifts, callings, authority, power, this is our inheritance. And the reason why you're not experiencing it is not because it's off limits to you. It's because the devil has been lying to you. And told you that God is only interested in meeting your needs. And the devil's been lying to you. And he says, because God has saved you from your sins, any asking for anything more is sinful. It's prideful. And Jesus says, no. He says, look, I only have three years here on this earth. But my plan was not to be on earth for 3,000 years. My plan was to do this thing for three years, show you how it's done, then die so that you can have access to it. And as I ascended to the right hand of the Father, I released it on the earth through the Holy Spirit so that each and every one of you can destroy the works of the devil, stomp on the enemy, and do the works that I did, and even greater things than these you will do because I'm going to the Father. Because I'm going to the Father. Because He's ascending on high and giving gifts to men. If you discover your identity as a co-heir, it would affect everything. It would affect your approach to life, to relationships, to ministry. Instead of praying, Lord, I need a new building for the house of prayer that you call me to start. Lord, I need people. Lord, I need money. Instead of praying that way, you pray, Lord, I petition you for a new building. And I thank you that there is a building out there with my name on it. Somebody's sitting on it and they don't even know why. 
you have prophesied over me that I will open up this house of prayer. And I come in full agreement with that prophecy. I come in full agreement so that there is no delay. I thank you that it's already prepared in heaven for me. And as a son, as a co-heir, because of my identity as a co-heir, I access it, I take hold of it, and I thank you that it's being released already in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's the kind of prayer that gets heaven all wild up. Ho, 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 you hearing our Christians praying right now. Oh, what's up, yo? Yo, what's up? Check this out, man. Come on, take that out. Look how he's praying. Let's get excited. Come on, let's move the resources to heaven. It's time. It's go time. Come on, green light. Let's move it. Hallelujah. Release it on the earth. Brothers and sisters, you are co-heirs with Christ. Align yourself with the identity with which heaven sees you. And you will see breakthrough. You will see miracles. You will see supernatural provision. You will get amazing, creative ideas. Better than what's coming out of Apple computers. I know that's hard to believe. Okay, that's what is stored up for the saints. And our present sufferings, whatever we go through on earth, whatever we suffer through, the Bible says is nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed to us. But also, in NIV it says, will be revealed in us. I believe it's double meaning. I believe that there will be a glory that will be revealed to us and in and through us to the glory of the Father. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, God, that you have paid the penalty that was upon us through the legal demands of the law. You paid that penalty. You died the death of a criminal to provide us full forgiveness of sin. But we thank you that God, not only did you provide us with full forgiveness from sin, but you gave us full access to our inheritance, God. And we thank you that, Lord, that that inheritance, we don't have to strive to get it. We don't have to run through religious hoops to get it. God, we simply access it through our identity as co-heirs with Christ. So, God, I pray you illuminate this word and this identity to your people today. That we will step into our identity as co-heirs with Christ. And that God, we will co-reign with him on this earth. We will, we will have dominion on this earth over the darkness that we see, God, until he returns. We want to see the reign and rule of Christ expanding and advancing on this earth. In opposition and in direct and hostile intent against the works of the enemy, God. We know that only co-heirs can achieve such glorious feats. Let that glory be revealed in and to us, God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.